Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Amen. Good morning, Generations Church. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so delighted to be here. As Pastor um, mentioned, he and Corey have been friends for a while. Um, Pastor Aaron, great work. Garrett, this is a great team. Worship band, all these guys. Why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you just stand to your feet all across this room if you're physically able? Just stand up wherever you are all across this room. Everybody, everybody, everybody. One thing I noticed about you guys when I arrived in town yesterday and went to my hotel room I knew it, but I got to experience it this weekend. You guys know how to honor, and you know how to honor up. You know how to honor down. You know how to honor all around. So today, I'm going to ask you to give a huge appreciation by clapping your hands for this team that comes every week, set this up, gets ready to host you, gets ready to to do all that we're doing today, all right? Good deal. Good deal. Stay standing if you can for the reading of the word this morning. I'm going to read four passages of scripture. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about it, and then we'll see what the Lord does in the midst of all of that. But if you will join me with your Bibles this morning, if not, it'll be on the screen, Isaiah chapter 53. We'll begin with verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Amen? Let's go over to Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. That's crazy to me. Says it twice. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. Let's go all the way over now to the New Testament to Mark chapter 2, verse 11. Mark chapter 2, verse 11. I say to you, arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Similar passage, different phrase, different word. Uh, Over in John chapter 5, verse 8. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Father, in the next few minutes, let everything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, be from heaven. Lord, I'm delighted to be in this room with these folks. I'm thankful for the energy in this room. I'm thankful you. Lord, for the expectation, but Lord, I pray that what I speak now would be directly from you. Everything that I want to say, Lord, let it be sifted. If it's not right, don't say it. Those things you want said, Lord, let me be a a, a carrier of that good news. And Lord, then when we come to commit to this word today, Lord, I'm asking you to open heaven like this church has never seen. I know it's able, Lord. I know you can. I've seen you do it. Do it today, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You were going to stand the whole time, weren't you? You know what? Actually, stand back up, please. Just stand up. Come on. Y'all, y'all good about it. Stand up. Come on. Just stand up. Everybody. Come on. If somebody's not standing beside you, just reach down help them get up. Help them get up. Everybody. I know this is like Popcorn Sunday. It's okay. If you're physically able, stand up. You know why I asked you to stand a second time? Thank you for asking. I just wanted to see if you could respond. Thank you. You may be seated now. And guess what? My guess is, no third time to stand yet, my guess is, is most of you guys could respond. So what if, 
What if at the end of this word today, you responded to God so quickly, so easily as you did to my simple request to stand up? If you do that, let me make you a promise. God is going to meet you there. God is going to do for you something that will change your life. Transformational words and work that God will do inside of you. Now, I am a papa, and being a papa is really cool. Man, you get to do whatever you want to do with those. I don't know, my, 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 my side, we get to do whatever we want to do, man. It's, it's the coolest thing in the world. All the papas and the grandmamas in the house, raise your hand. Yeah, y'all need to love on these folks. They got more money than you have. They're going to give it to you one day. They're either going to give it to you with y'all knowing it or give it to you without them knowing they gave it to you, okay? But it's going to get on down the line somewhere. So being Papa's cool. You know, you can just like bring up silly props and put them wherever you want to. And, man, you can just like every once in a while. I just, I'm tempted just to lay down on that blanket of many colors, you know, and uh, just kind of chill. But we won't. We'll use it for something else. You know, guys, today I, I really feel in my heart in this room is somebody who God's, God's going to change your future. Okay, William, really, that's, that's preacher talk. Yeah, it's preacher talk. But it's true. Because if you come into direct experience with God, God is going to meet you because his character will not allow him to reject you when you come to him in obedience and submission and, and willingness. God's character is going to accept you. He accepts us a lot of times when we come to him in our piety and our, our own way of thinking and our own way of doing things. I was sitting on this corner here and I looked down to the left and I saw these, these three kids right here. And I'm just telling you. There's something special about this house where a kid can stand unashamed, uninhibited, and lift their hands to heaven and worship God, but do it with their eyes closed because they don't really care what you think about it. So thank you. A lot of pressure on you. When you're 25 years old, when you're 50 and you bring your children here and your grandchildren here. Keep teaching them what somebody else is teaching you because whatever they're teaching you is contagious and you keep teaching that. You understand what I'm telling you? God didn't bring you to this church this morning just to hang out and have fun, sip some coffee, buy some merch, and enjoy the day. And you need to do all of that. But God came you here, brought you here so that you could experience a transformation in your own life. I'm going to talk about four words this morning. You're going to see them on the screen. Wound, scab, nobody let scabs, did he? Scars and stripes. Now, when I think about these four words, I, I actually have experiences in my own life with all four of those. The first passage I read was from Isaiah, which simply says to us that he, meaning Christ, experienced the wounds, experienced the scars, probably some scabs, and experience the power of the redemptive work of the nature of God at work in him, which brings the redemption from him through us by the stripes in which he bore. So these are four words, interesting words. First word is wound. It's an interesting term because it basically gives us a description of the result of a cut or a, um, a burn 
or some kind of impact or some kind of injury would cause a wound. Now, we know that we're made up of spirit and flesh, right? There's a spirit person in you, and there is flesh all about you. Now, the reality is, is that your flesh can take a wound, and then it's readily or usably, usually, usably, <laughs> usually it's noticed by everyone around you. But we don't really notice the ones on the inside. But you got them. If you don't think you got them, let your closest friend tell you how you act sometime, and it will tell you that you got them. And sometimes they're called names of people. <laughs> well, y'all know, y'all agree with me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got a name, and as soon as that name comes up, it may not even be the name that's associated with the wound in your life, but because that name is like the name that's associated to the wound in your life, it brings up that festering that takes place. Then you get this thing called a scab. Scabs are like interesting because scabs... Scabs are ugly, and nobody wants to see them, but most everybody wants to pick at them. Y'all pick at y'all scabs? I know y'all do, because y'all human just like me. Y'all can't act like y'all don't pick at scabs. Let me tell you the problem with picking at a scab. If you pick the scab too early, like really, we came to church for this. This is like something we should be doing like in the medical class, right? Well, no, there's a redeemer here, and he's got some medicine for you, and hang out for a little bit longer, and you're going to experience what God wants to give you. But here's the cool thing. That scab, it ain't cool, I don't guess, but as soon as you pick at that scab, if you pick at it prematurely, what will happen is, is you will get part of it off, but then there's this like gripping little piece of your skin that holds that last little piece of that scab. You know what I'm talking about? And you just, man, you can't wait. You just pull that scab off. What do you do? You got more blood spots, more wound. May I invite you this morning? To let the redeemer of your life, the healer of your soul, the king of your heart, do the work that he can do inside of you according to his timeline. Don't run ahead of him, but don't make him pull you everywhere you need to go either. Now, I'm fast usually. Everything I do is fast. I'm, I'm just talk fast. I wake up. And how I am right now, when I wake up, my feet hit the floor. Actually, before they hit the floor, my precious wife, 34 years, she's a wonderful soul. She, she's patient, she's kind, she's all those things because I try them on a regular basis. I don't mean to, I just do. My nature just does that. But I've had to learn to understand that God's processes are not necessarily suitable for my preferences. Hang on. God's processes are designed for his work to come place in completeness inside of you. I believe in the power of counseling. I believe in the power of, 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 of accountability. I believe in people that will encourage you. I believe in medicine. But I also believe that there's a redeemer that can do some work in your life and you may need counseling to continue the healing, but there's a Redeemer who can do an immediate transformation, beginning work in your life, and I believe he's here today. Amen. So, you get this thing after the scab that's called a scar. 
Now, what a scar is, it's the mark that is left after the wound is healed. And then there's this thing called scar tissue, right? And scar tissue is usually not that noticeable on the outside, but you can feel it on the inside. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Put that, that picture up. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry for the horror flick. But uh, that's me, by the way. If you haven't noticed, just ignore everything but the nose. Take a good profile look right here. You'll see. That's me. Check the hearing aids out. They're in there. They're good. Let me tell you something. If you got hearing aids, don't ever do this. I got these hearing aids, and I was so proud when I came home. My wife was even more proud. We were at the house, and she was, like, talking to me or something. I don't know why I did it. I pulled both of them out of my ear, and I looked at her, and I said, My wife does this little number right here. We've been married 34 years. She puts her fingers like this, and she just does that to me. Like, that means, like, the undo button on the computer screen, on the computer keypad. It's like, whatever you just did, you need to undo and do it again. And so I put those hearing aids back in my, in my ears, and I looked at her, and I can, I can hear you now. What do you want to say? And she said, no life. That's what she said. I don't think I would ever do that again if I was you. And I haven't. I don't even know why I said that to you other than I wanted you to take time to look at the scars. So a couple of weeks ago, actually the first weekend of September, it's Friday afternoon, beautiful Friday afternoon, I was doing what I've done over the last 25 years, hundreds of times, and I go across the lake on the, sun, on, on the boat with my sons to the campground where we're going to have like church, you know, and like a, a youth camp by the lake, and it's all cool, and I was only able to be there on Friday night because I had something I had to do the next day, and so my son picked me up at the dock. Now, when he picked me up at the dock, he was driving my father-in-law's boat. Not my boat, not his boat, my father-in-law's boat. And so, Nicholas picks up these two, these two campers. They go to the front of the boat. And he says, Dad, he said, um, I want you to drive the boat. I'm thinking, that's a privilege. My son doesn't normally let me drive the boat. He's 30, by the way. And I said, okay, I'll drive the boat. I said, why don't you want to drive the boat? He said, I'm going to fly my drone. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, you drive the boat, I'll fly the drone. I said, no worries. So he takes his drone. He launches the drone. He goes, Ben's on, Ben, my other son, is out front. This drone's a pretty good drone. It goes about three-fourths of a mile. And all of a sudden, this drone's taking off over there, and he's drooping it down and taking pictures and video. And I'm, I got this boat, and we're, we're revving this thing up, man. The boat chokes out. I'm thinking, I'm glad that my father-in-law knows that you borrowed the boat, not me, son. He said, Dad, he said, uh, what's wrong with the boat? And I said, I don't know. He said, I'll drive, but let me bring my drone in. Now, if you know anything about drones, there's like cheap drones, not so cheap drones, good drones, gooder, not true, better, better drones, and then like expensive drones. This was like an expensive drone. He says, Dad, he said, uh, let me bring the drone in. Well, if you know anything about drones, if a drone runs out of space or, or runs out of energy before it crashes anywhere, it has a homing device and it comes back to wherever it was launched from. And you also have a button on that little keypad on your phone and you push that button and that drone comes back to wherever it was launched from. The problem is, is we had been drifting down the water. So where the drone was launched from was not the point of return that the drone knew. Drones are pretty smart. People are not always smart. He says, son, when the drone gets here, 
I want you to catch the drone. Okay. I don't want to catch the drone, Nick. Come on, Dad. We got to go. We got to go across the lake. Just catch the drone. I said, I've never caught a drone, Nick. He said, Dad, it's simple. Take your hand like this. When the drone gets close to you, now keep your hand out here. When it gets close, I want you to squeeze on the body of the drone. There's not a lot of clearance between the drone and the propellers. And so this drone starts coming in. I said, Nick, I don't want to catch the drone. He said, Dad, catch the drone. We're running out of time. <laughs> I'm an educated man. I think if I use two fingers to catch the drone, it would be better than this. I thought wrong. The drone starts coming in, and all of a sudden, I take my fingers like this right here. I start to squeeze that drone. As that drone gets really, really close to me, then what happens is, is I get these fingers that are not in unity. You know why unity matters? It'll help you when you're catching a drone. There's other reasons. But anyway, I start to catch that drone. And when my finger hits that body of that drone, one finger tilts that drone. And all of a sudden, it starts taking a nosedive to the water. It's a $1,000 drone. How am I going to explain to my wife, I was the last one to touch the drone. Pay your son $1,000. It's my fault. That drone starts diving and so do I. And I reach out and I grab that drone, which he told me not to do. And when I grabbed that drone, that drone, I felt so accomplished. And I brought it back into the safety of my presence. And in doing so, in that millisecond between when he should have turned that drone off, it began to cut my finger here and it cut my finger here. It come down and it sliced across my knee. <laughs> and it caught me on both sides of my face. I didn't feel anything. I was so excited. I said, Nick, I got the drone. I saved it. He said, yeah, you did, Dad. I looked down. I got blood on my hand. I'm like, Nick, who's bleeding? I looked down. There's blood all over the, the bottom of the boat. and Water mixes with blood. It goes everywhere. Two kids are climbing up on the top of the boat. and They don't want any of my blood on them. I look at Nick, and I said, dude, did I cut my face? He said, <laughs> he laughed just like that. Yeah, Dad, you cut your face. I said, son, take me back to the dock. He said, no, Dad. He said, I'm not going to take you back to the dock. He said, we got a nurse across at the lake at the campground. He goes across. I'm pouring blood. Facial wounds usually bleed more. Isn't this one cool right here? It's got these three stair steps. Y'all see them? Boom, 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 boom. This one over here, if you really looked at it the right way, it looks like a, 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 a lightning bolt. This one right here, that's a fever blister. It was already there. I can't blame that on the drone. Why are you telling us this, William? Well, I'll explain it in a minute. So there was this guy, and he's laying up in his bed in his house, and he hears that Jesus is coming to town. And when he hears that Jesus is coming to town, all of a sudden, he has four friends that walk upstairs into the house and they begin to tie a piece of rope to all four corners of this man's bed. And they take that bed with that man on it down the stairs, down to the street, down to where, he, where Jesus is, and they try to get in the front door. You know, Pastor Jeremy told you now, movie Sunday, I'm not going to be here. 
Thank you for the invitation for all y'all who are going to invite me. And I'd be easy, an easy one to come. I'm not going to be here, but I hope y'all flood this place to where you got to have people standing outside. That's what it was like on Jesus' day when he was there in, in, in Peter's mother-in-law's house. And all of a sudden, these people, they can't get their friend to Jesus. They go on top of the roof. What if, this would be cool, wouldn't it? What if somebody up top couldn't get in because the door was so full and they start breaking away at the top? We'd be bothered by that, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would because you'd have all this stuff that starts falling. But you understand what I'm telling you? There's, I'm telling you, listen to me. There's coming a time in the world when the wounds of the world are not sufficient to be healed by the suffices of the world. They need a Messiah. They need a Redeemer. They need a Savior. They need a Jesus. And you carry him with you. Carry him back to the world. They get Jesus lowered. They get the man lowered down in front of Jesus. Jesus looks at him. First thing he does is he redeems him and saves his soul. Second thing he does, it's interesting, he tells him, he says, arise. That's problematic when the joker can't walk and Jesus tells him to rise. This is interesting to me. There's a lot of things I don't understand in the world. I understand God's timelines. Let me just be honest with you. I don't get his timelines. I don't get it. I don't understand. I understand why good things happen. The bad people, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I don't understand why some people I pray for, for God to heal them, they're well. Some people I pray for God to heal them, and they die. I don't know. But here's what I do know. He tells us to pray, and he tells us to trust, and he tells us to believe, and he knows better than we know, and his timing is a subject to humanity, and he is the redeemer, and when he says he'll do it, he'll do it, and whether he does it on this side or the other side, it will be done. The next story is a man at a pool. And Jesus tells him, you know, you want to be made well. Well, there's a deal that goes on at the pool. When the water starts doing all that the water's starting to do, then all of a sudden, whoever gets inside the water first is made whole. And here's what the man says to him. He says, I can't get there. Somebody gets there before I do. Now, Pastor Aaron, there have been times in my life when I was the last person to walk to the altar call, not because I didn't believe God could do it, but I just didn't want to go. You ever been like that? Man, if they quit asking that third person to come, man, they want somebody to come. I pray that my neighbor goes because if that person goes, I ain't got to go. Well, today in the next few minutes, you know, y'all messed up because y'all showed me a while ago y'all could respond. <laughs> God's going to knock on your heart's door in just a few minutes. And when he does that, if you'll open it up, I'm telling you, you're going to go home different. You're going to go home changed. And everybody around you is going to be able to experience and be able to see the transformation that's going to take place. I get off the boat. I walk into the lunchroom area. They're getting ready to serve lunch, and here comes this bleeding guy. These students are like, oh, <laughs> what's up? They weren't worshiping like you guys. They were like, oh, Dr. Lamb, what do you do to your face? How do you tell somebody you can't catch a drone? I'm a Marine Corvette. I would love to have a better story for my scar than that. Walk in and the nurse says, oh, what'd you do? I'm like, you're a nurse. Don't ask me what I did. Just go back here to this little room and fix me. You see, the problem is not that the drone cut me. Not that I can't catch a drone. The problem is the next day I got to go to a wedding. That I'm performing. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, 
So my wife knows me. And my wife said to me, I'm going to give you a little thing of Vaseline. And what I want you to do, William, is I don't want you to pick at the scar or the wound, I guess, at that point. I don't want you to touch it. You understand me, William? It's like she's talking to my little grandbaby. You understand me, William? Yeah, I understand. She said, don't touch it. Well, when you touch it, you've got to touch it with this Vaseline. And you've got to coat it really heavy. And I promise you, William, it'll heal quicker. So I, 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 you can see the moisture right here. That's not sweat. That's Vaseline. That joker's covered up with it. So all the way to Nashville, the next day I'm driving. I'm sitting on one hand driving with the other to keep from touching my face because my wife's going to know if I picked at my scab. The world's going to know if you're picking at your stuff or if you're redeeming, letting God redeem your stuff. That just came out of nowhere. That's not in my notes, by the way. I'm just saying that. Some of y'all need to quit picking at it and start letting God redeem it. Quit trying to make it last longer than it needs to and let God heal it when he wants to. So here's what Jesus said. He said, number one, get up. And when you get up, what I want you to do then is I want you to pick up your bed. Or your scar. And one of them he says, go back home. And the other one he says, just start walking. So I picked up my scar and I drove to Nashville. Next picture. Isn't that beautiful? Look at those kids. This is Mackenzie. She worked for me at Lee. You see that little fever blister up there? I was prepared for that one. I have my wife's compact. You know what a compact is? These guys don't nobody know they got a compact. I had a compact in my suitcase, Jack. I was ready because when I'll get to the compact and I'll fix that little fever blister and they won't nobody see that little disease on my lip. <laughs> I wasn't the disease on the lip I was worried about. It was these two big old scars. Mackenzie looks at me and she says it very well. Dr. Lamb, good to see you. And I could see they're looking at my face. I said, I had a little problem. What happened, Dr. Lamb? It was like, I don't know, 15 or 17 Lee students in the room. And they all looking at me and they remember me. And they thought I was a pretty smart fella. Until I told them I couldn't catch a drone. And Mackenzie looked at me. Leaned over and hugged my face with that little Vaseline on my face. And I said, Mackenzie, give me a makeup artist. I know y'all been sitting here eight hours getting y'all's faces made up. Do me a favor. Get one of them people to put something on my face. Close it up. I don't want it to be seen in the picture. Here's what she said. Dr. Lamb, don't worry about that. We love you just like you are. You see, my problem was I was embarrassed that I couldn't catch a drone. Literally was mad because my face was cut. Didn't want anybody to see me like I was. But the people that loved me made it clear. I love you just like you are. As I look across this room, I'm telling you, Jesus is in this room yelling or whispering, whichever you're willing to listen to, to tell you, I love you, but I won't leave you like you are. I love you enough to say, arise, take up your bed, and go back to your house. I love you enough to say, get up, pick up your bed, and go walk. 
And in all of those scenarios, what's happening is miraculous and it's amazing. And Jesus is saying, take your stuff with you that I have redeemed because that blanket you've been laying on for 38 years smells and it stinks and it's got spots on it and people know who you are and what you're doing. But I'm telling you, I'm redeeming you. I'm changing you. I'm fixing your life. Pick your stuff up. And everywhere you go, you're going to go with the redemptive work that what's on your face doesn't really matter because I fixed it in your life. There's a wonderful passage in 1 Thessalonians that kind of blows my mind a little bit. It's an interesting passage. Scripture says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. When I was praying about this word today and trying to figure out what God wanted to speak through me, I really got to try to figure that out. And when I did, I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what, what do you want to do today? And here's what I believe the Lord said he wants to do today. He wants to restore your believability. You see, it's easy to believe for somebody else. But it ain't always easy to believe for myself. What Paul says is, I wanted to come to the church at Thessalonica. But every time I tried to come, the enemy hindered me. The enemy put something in my way. The enemy tried to stop me from doing what I was doing. You know, this is a military term when you look at it. And the word actually in the Greek means impediment. It means to impede. It means to hinder, to slow down, to try to stop. So the reason that the enemy, I think, comes to you with the reminder of the wound that you thought had been healed 30 years ago is because he wants to trip you up in the process. This military term is talking about a retreating army. What a retreating army does is when the army that they originally were defeating, like what's happening right now in Ukraine and Russia, and the Ukrainian army is taking back a city just a couple of days ago that the Russian army claimed. Listen to what I'm telling you. Catch the image of what I'm going to show you. When that army begins to retreat, in that retreating process, what they begin to do is they begin to blow up bridges when they cross them. Put landmines in the way. Put obstacles in the way. So that when that army that has turned the corner and started to win, when they get towards them, they're trying to slow them down. Listen to me. The devil, the enemy, Satan is trying his best to slow you down. But listen to me. God will give you fuel. God will give you energy. God will give you anointing. God will give you spirit. God will give you healing. God will give you restoration. God will give you a word. So when that army starts backing up, and that army that was once appeared to be losing is going, the enemy is throwing it down to say, you can't get to me. I'm still going to win. But I'm telling you, he's not going to win. He's not going to destroy you. He's not going to be able to defeat you. You know what bothered me about my scars the most? It was my fault. Some of you in this room have got some scars that are your fault. 
You really don't want anybody to know about it. And you really don't want anybody to see them. Will you stand with me across this room? You say, William, what are you yelling about, man? What are you talking about? Jesus gives an illustration. And the illustration is so clear. If you can't get to Jesus on your own, somebody else will help you get there. Are you that somebody else for those that God's going to put you in their path? And even if you don't have any possible idea on how you're going to get to the edge of the pool, if he speaks his word and you hear him and you rise up and you pick up your stuff and you say, no, you know what? That used to hold me down, but that don't hold me anymore. I used to hate that name, but I don't hate that name anymore. I pray for that person who has that name because the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ has washed away the memory of what they did to me that was wrong and evil. But my Redeemer is alive, and His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't know how y'all do it, but I'm going to ask everybody in this room. Nobody leave. And I'm going to ask everybody that's willing just to make your way to the front of this church and fill this offer. Come on. Prayer team, if you'll join me, we're going we're gonna to pray for some people today. If you're willing, just come on. Just come on. Just step out. You know what Jesus said? He said, get up to a lame man. If a lame man can get up because Jesus said it, surely you and I can step out and admit today that we need the work of the Redeemer in our lives. You see... I'm going to pray a prayer. They're going to break into a song. I'm going to ask you to break into prayer and worship. But in my heart right now, come on down, come on down, guys. Come on down. Just fill it up right back here. Come on. Come on. Fill up the gap. Fill up the gap. Come on. You need to get used to this because I think there's going to be a day this place is going to be crowded. Because any Christian church that preaches the gospel, like I know your pastor does, and any cross that is resembling the cross of Jesus Christ, the world is going to run to because the world is running out of options. And what they need to see is a house, a generation church that says we're not just a church with a little merch. We're a church with a lot of Jesus and everything we do. You know why you need to wear that G when you go to town? You know why I'm going to wear that hat when I get home that they gave me? Because I'm proud to be connected to this house. Why? Because this house preaches the gospel, preaches the truth, and proclaims the good news. But today, hallelujah, I believe in this house, God wants to deliver some people. A lot of you guys that, you got this stuff that we call stains and baggage and excess. We all have it. Why not just admit it today? And say, God, I give it to you. So if you say to me, William, okay, I came forward, you asked me to. That was good. But if you really want Jesus to touch you today, just lift your hands across this room. You really want him to. You really want him to. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray Zechariah 3 and 2. When I finish that prayer, I want you guys to break into that song, and I want you to lift up the loudest praise and worship and honor and, and, and asking him and, and just obeying God with everything you've got. Father, your word says, you are greater as he that is in me. That's you in us. That he that is in the world, the enemy who opposes us. 
Lord, I pray the prayer. Jesus prayed. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord back you up, rebuke you, cast you out of our mind, out of our thoughts, out of our memory, and get rid of you in this house today. And Father, I pray by the power of your Spirit, fill this house, fill these people, heal today, deliver today, set free in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Lift it up. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.